Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It is indeed awesome to have them back. Um, yeah, it just feels right. feels like everybody's, and as I see more faces, it's good to have everybody home. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, I'm trying to remember who was here, we spoke about taking our, our concerns and our worries to God and to writing them down. So this is now checkup time. Okay. Anybody do that? I found that I had to keep going back to my prayers because uh, the worry would pop up and I'd have to go back and remind myself that we're giving this to God. So I saw some hands and, and how did it go? Did it, um, did it help you just in reminding that God wants us to take our worries and our cares to Him. Awesome. Okay, that's fantastic. Oops, sorry, JP, I didn't do that right. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> so, so over the years, um, I think uh, we were trying to figure out, uh, I've been doing YWAP for like 15, 16 years. I now have adults we, we speak about. I think I'm entering the phase where people that I did uh, YWAP with when I started are now bringing their kids. Dan and them have been there for a while but now I'm about to enter that phase. And so over the years, I've had some fun experiences. And, and one of my favoritest, yes, I know it's not a word, but it's appropriate, uh, experiences is junior prayer time, because juniors are funny. And uh, do you remember a while back where um, you would get 20 years uh, jail sentence if you stole a goat? Do you remember that? I don't think it's like that anymore, but you remember that? And I remember one junior YWAP, we were all sitting there, and this one girl puts up her hand, she goes, um, I want you to please pray for my uncle. He steals goats. <laughs> like, are we, are we supposed to know this? And, and so that's the joy of working with junior YWAPers. I mean, it goes on and on. I was saying this morning, uh, many years ago, uh, Rico and I have not had chicken pox, all right? So many years ago, we had this little YWAPer come to us wearing a, a little, you know, like a little tank top. And she's, she hugs us and she goes, I think I've got chicken pox as these little dots are appearing on her. And she's hugging us, we're like, Dana? And we hand her over, yes, she had chicken pox. And, and so, you know, being part of Junior YWAP is, it gives us so many good experiences, okay? Um, and so, over the years, it's, it's been funny. One of the things is, we have a rule for Junior YWAP that you have to be 10 to join Junior YWAP. And there are many reasons for that, but one of them is maturity. I remember the one year, for some reason, this was before we were so strict with it, we had a little girl join us who was eight. And um, she couldn't, we told her no for some reason. She wanted to do something and we told her no. And it's been a while, so my details are a bit hazy. But I think she ran off to cry. So we went over and we said, okay, what's wrong? I'm just constipated. <laughs> and that is why... We only have 10-year-olds because instead of saying I'm upset, they say that they're constipated. So, so maturity is one of the reasons why <laughs> working with children, it's a delight. Okay? But maturity is one of the reasons why we only have 10-year-olds because you can spot the younger ones. And so um, when, when I looked at my own life and I looked at myself as, as a kid, I thought I was so clever. And, and I work with, with teenagers now, and I see them doing exactly the same thing. As a child, I thought, you know, I'm going to make my little scheme, and nobody will understand and see through my very intricate, clever scheme. Any of you do that? 
<laughs> Martin, I see you. I see you. Yeah, and, and I remember as a child going, nobody will know what my real plan is. Now as an adult, I look at these teenagers and I go, really? Really? My favorite line that they tell me is, nobody will ever find out. <laughs> going, really? You don't know this world now, do you? Okay. And I, and I remember when I, when I got my driver's license, um, there's a reason why... Um, uh, car insurance is so much uh, more expensive for younger drivers because when I got my, my driver's license, I thought I knew how to drive. Not realizing that driving means that you actually drive on behalf of someone else. You're trying to always read the other people. It's not about you, it's about the others. But that's a lack of maturity. So um, I also remember how things would really upset me. As, as a child and as a, as a young adult, I'd struggle with anger. And I mean, things would just take over. And that's another sign of immaturity. So, you know, as one does when one, you know, prepares something, you always have to find the definition, okay? And so the definition of maturity is, an example of maturity is someone who behaves appropriately and doesn't throw a temper tantrum if he doesn't get his way. How many of you have ever seen a child throwing a temper tantrum and in your heart you're going, oh, I wish I could do that, but I have to be mature? Have you ever done that? But you have to, you know, you have to choose to be mature. You know, I know that um, I know some of us are young and immature, but I also know some of us are old and immature. So immaturity is an interesting thing. Uh, I was reading up about why people don't like wearing masks, and it's very fascinating. And one of the reasons is because people don't like being told what to do, and that's basically a, temp a temper tantrum. Is that? And and I see myself in, in many areas. Here's a secret. It's actually not a secret. Here's something about me. Most of what I've learned in life is because somebody told me I couldn't do it. And that little stubborn German street comes through and goes, watch me. Okay? I once had a teacher going, oh, you should maybe just not do this subject. You're not going to pass. I proved her wrong. Yes, I did. I got a you know, distinction. And I thought I was so clever. But again, you know, teachers, they understand these things. And so when we, we look at immaturity and maturity, may I ask you, in which areas of your life I'm very aware of the areas in my life that I need maturity. In which areas of your life do you need maturity? So let's, let's have a look, okay? What are the things that push your buttons? One of, one of the things that, that pushes my buttons is I'm not a morning person. So please, don't speak to me for the first hour. And, and because I, I work in a school where we have a lot of morning people, I'll walk into the staff room and I'll have five questions asked to me before I've even spoken a word, and I have to remind myself, maturity, maturity. You're not allowed to slap people, you get fired. Maturity, okay? And so what are the areas that, that you struggle with? What are the things in your life that when after it happens, you look back and you go, really, did I just do that again? Do you have any of those areas? I'm seeing some smiles. I'm seeing some people looking down, okay? Maybe it's road rage. What happens if somebody cuts in front of you? What happens if a taxi stops suddenly? Okay. What happens if you being a law-abiding citizen and stopping at the stop street and somebody hoots at you from behind for stopping? Okay. Or what happens if somebody's being a law-abiding citizen stops in front of you and you're going, there's nobody, let's roll through, people. No, none of us do that. No, it's a good thing there's no lightning today. Okay. Maybe, maybe our maturity is in relationships. Do we play emotional games? A bit of uh, passive-aggressive, maybe? Anybody? What about, um, what about uh, management of our time and maturity there? 
So my mom, my mom is, is awesome to be here this morning. I'm not going to point her out. But I, I love my mom. She never watched TV, right? Sorry, mom. And then, and then she started watching a series that she really liked. And she finished it in a week. <laughs> and that was the first time my mother experienced a Netflix binge. And then she asked me, so when does the next one come out? I'm like going, a year? Okay. But, but I think most of us have done something like a Netflix binge somewhere along the line. All right? True? Somewhere. Come on. Don't leave me hanging on this one. Okay. All right. So, so when I look at my life, I know that there are some areas that I need maturity in. And I think if we are all um, honest with, our thing, with ourselves, I think we all have areas that we need to have some maturity in. And so today, we're going to be looking at that. What does it mean to be mature? And this is something that impacts us no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. You might have just accepted Jesus yesterday. You might not have even accepted Jesus yet. You might have been a, a believer for many years, but maturity is something that impacts all of us. One of my favorite verses, very mature verse, is 1 Peter 2 verse 2. It says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. And it's always about where you put the emphasis on. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I love that verse because I can, I can tell people, as the Bible says, grow up. Okay? And that's a beautiful verse. The problem is that God sometimes uses it on me as well. And he just reminds me about that. But that is our aim, is that we are supposed to be mature. As a child, the greatest insult that you could say to someone is going, grow up, you're so immature. Then you flick your hair and you walk off really maturely. That was the biggest insult that you could. Is that still the way? Is that still the case? Young ones? And Atita? Is that still? Getting a slight nod. Okay. And so immaturity, to tell somebody they were immature, was a big insult. But I just want to say something here, do a little caveat here. Maturity has got nothing to do with age. Absolutely nothing. Spiritual maturity has got nothing to do with age. I know some YWAPers that I stand in awe of, that they are willing to, to speak uh, to their friends about Christ, they're willing to make a stand in school, where school is pretty hectic. As an adult, we look back and we go, really? But as a child in school, to make a stand for Christ is a huge thing. And so I see some young people having great spiritual maturity. I also know some old people that don't have spiritual maturity. There was once uh, somebody that was part of our church, and um, he had a, a, a pretty rough life. And so people would, when they found out they were part of our church, they'd go, is he really part of your church? Is he even a Christian? But we knew what his life was like before Jesus. And so he had this long walk, and he started over there in his maturity. Most of us were able to start here in our growth of maturity. And so maturity has nothing to do with age. Last night we were speaking about my grandfather, an awesome man, but, but a difficult man. But when, you looked at, when we looked at his childhood, we realized that he's come a long way. Or he had, and, and so who he was was amazing in comparison of what he had to come through. And so when we look at people and we, and we look at their maturity, we must always remember that we don't know where they started. We don't know the journey that they have walked. And so we need to have grace and mercy with people as we deal with them. But today is going to be talking about us. Okay. And so we know that there needs to be growth. 
if you ever wanted to see a stressed parent, oh, by the way, Lena and Jason, right? They, Lena and Jason had their twins. Okay, very awesome. I can't remember the details. Dana, do you have the details? Healthy. Liam and Haley, all healthy. Okay, so they're still in the hospital and they're hoping to get out today. Okay, so that's, that's very awesome. But I can guarantee you, if you want to stress them out in about six months, go to them and go, oh, your children just aren't growing, right? And as new parents, that will stress them out. Okay, please don't do that, okay? But if you were, okay, don't do that. But if you were, because as parents, you want your children to grow, you know, in a healthy manner. And if they weren't growing, you'd, you'd understand that there's something wrong. And so that's the same with spiritual maturity. We need to be growing. And so when we have a look, if you look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. God is speaking, or through Paul, is speaking about maturity. And so the question I want to ask you today is, what does a mature believer look like? Okay, this is now the part where we do a little, you know, little interaction. Okay. What does a mature believer look like? If you look at someone and go, they are a mature believer, what are the characteristics that you are looking for? You may have masks on, but I still know your names. Faithfulness. Okay, now there's too many. What? God-fearing. Patient. Obedience to Christ. Self-control and love. Those are the things that when we look at someone, we go, those are mature believers. And so today we're going to have a look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 about what mature believers look like. We're going to start in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people trick us, try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So when we look at that passage, there's certain things that stand out about that passage, because it speaks about what a spiritually mature person is. So there are four things that stand out to me. The first one is that a mature believer, or somebody that is in the process of becoming a mature believer, is someone that becomes more like Christ, growing in faith and knowledge of God's Son. That's what this is. That's what a maturing believer looks like. Somebody that experiences him, Jesus, every day and is growing in the knowledge. So I, I read this yesterday. I'm still trying to, my brain is, I'm not awake yet, but it says, if you're walking upstream, if you're standing still, you're going backwards. So I'm not, my brain isn't quite clicking that. But the bottom line is, if you're not growing, then you're stagnating when it comes to spiritual growth. And so every day, we are to become more like Christ. That's what we read in that passage. Another thing that I see 
is that it says that we will not be taken in by false teaching. So what does that mean? It means that we are able to feed ourselves with the truth. How do we do that? How do we feed ourselves with the truth? If you think about a little baby, they don't know how to feed themselves. There's something very wrong if you're still feeding your 20-year-old son. Very wrong, okay? And so a, a mature believer knows how to feed themselves. So how do we do that? We spend time reading our Bible. We read... Uh, this is now the advertising time. You join a church Bible reading plan. Yes, that will be starting in February. That is how you become a mature believer. In February, we will be starting a church reading plan. And I want to invite all of you to join us on that. We're still finalizing the format, but one of the things that we're thinking of is that it won't be a, a whole year commitment. We'll do uh, two or three throughout the year that are like three or four months at a time. Because I know that some people kind of got behind and then felt like there was no point in catching up. But on the 1st of February, we'll be starting a reading plan. And that is one of the best ways to discover the truth. You know, when, when I look around, I can't begin to count the number of times it's been the end of the world. I think in 2012, it was supposed to be the end of the world. Um, I was told in, in, as a child that Nostradamus said 96 was going to be the end of the world. Uh, I think most of us thought last year was the end of the world. Um, and so, do you hear how many times, and then, and then people go, oh, no, no, I got my calculations wrong. But scripture tells us that nobody knows when it's the end of the world. If you want to start an argument, let's talk about the mark of the beast and the vaccine. Yeah, that's a fun one. I love stirring. Okay? But you think about how many things over the ages have been mark of the beast. How many times, and I don't understand this, how many times have the American presidents been known as the Antichrist? I remember the first time I heard that was with Clinton. And then after Clinton, then it was Bush, and then it was definitely Obama, but now Trump. Have you heard that? And I'm going, how many of, and I always wonder, why the states? I mean, in Africa, we've got some good people too, you know? But you, 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 you listen, and you, and you hear all of this stuff about how you can't be a believer if you do this. You can't be a Christian if you do this. This is actually a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy. The world is going to end. How do people study when, they, um, when people study forgeries? The way they study it is not by studying the things that are the, the forgery itself, but by studying the truth. So when you have a banknote, people study the way it's supposed to be, and anything that deviates from the original is a forgery. We need to know the truth first so that we can separate it from the lies. And so a maturing believer is somebody that's not taken in by false teaching. In this church... We have accountability to each other. We, have, we will still be speaking about, but us as the leadership team are held accountable by you as a church family. And each one of us needs to stick to the standard of who God is as displayed in Scripture. That is how we become mature believers. The second thing, or the third thing we do, is we pour our lives into others. I love a quote by Andy Stanley. He says, we are not called to fill other people's cups, but we are called to empty our own. And I thought that was an awesome way to put it. You and I are not responsible for anybody else. Each person has to make their own decisions. But we have a responsibility before God to pour our lives into others. And he'll be the one that refills us. And so that's what a mature believer is. Lastly, we read where it says that each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. We are called to share Christ. Each one of us is called to share Christ. 
Not everybody can be missionaries. Not everybody can, can work in a church. But each one of us has a calling to share Jesus with whoever we are. When I look around in this church building, and I know that we have people online, each one of you has access to a person that I would never have access to. And you have the awesome responsibility, but even more, the privilege of being the one that shares who Jesus is to that person. That's what a mature believer looks like. So the next question is, why would we want to be mature? So we now see what a mature believer looks like. It's somebody that's becoming more like Christ every day, trusting him, having knowledge in him. Somebody that knows how to feed themselves with the truth. Somebody that pours their lives into others and shares Jesus with others. So why would we want to be mature believers? Well, the things of this world don't shape us. There's a story that in, in 1968, Steve Jobs uh, of Apple was part of a church as a 13-year-old, and he saw a cover of Life magazine, and on it was uh, two starving children from Nigeria. They had a big famine uh, in the 60s, and, and many children died, and he had this cover of starving children, and it didn't make sense to him. It didn't make sense that, that what he was seeing here and what he was learning in church it didn't connect. And so he went to church and he asked his, his pastor or the, the priest, and he says, does God know everything? And the priest said, yes. And he showed them the cover and he says, so if God knows about this, why isn't he fixing this? And unfortunately, as we all do, the pastor that day didn't have the answers that satisfied Steve Jobs. It's not the pastor's fault, but what I'm saying is that when Steve Jobs saw the hunger and the famine and compared it to what he knew of God at that stage, it didn't match up. And that was the last time he went to church. And so a mature believer means that we can look at a situation, you can drive around in Kalaturi, you can drive around in Namibia, and you can see hunger and you can see starving, and you'll know that God does care and that he's called each one of us to be part of the plan to show them Jesus. And so what does a mature believer stand for? Somebody that the world doesn't shake. That you are able to see the perspective of this world that yes, there is a lot of suffering, there is a lot of pain, but that Jesus is alive and that Jesus wants to be everything to each person. We can also face trials and tribulations with confidence because we know that this world is not all there is. Because if it was, I'd be in the bush right now, just living on my own, but I know that this world is not all that it is, that there is, thankfully. That this is only a taste of what is to come. We also know that the hiddenness of God doesn't scare us. So when I became a Christian, I became a Christian at about 16. No, I was 16. And when you become a, a, a believer, have you ever found that all your prayers are answered? Did you find that when you became a believer? It's the coolest time. The problem is you don't know what you're praying for, okay? Because I remember I'd pray for like silly things. Please let us not have homework. You know, that kind of stuff. I remember I was at a, a, a youth Bible, a holiday Bible club, and there were only five people. So we went and we prayed for 15. And then there were 15. Have, do you, did you guys go through that? And so when, you, when you're a new believer, it's like God answers all these prayers and, and he's, he's confirming your faith. But then as you mature you also discover the hiddenness of God. Those times where nothing feels like he's there, where you feel like your prayers are, are hitting the, the ceiling and bouncing down. But when I look at my life and I look at the lives of those that have come before me, the greatest times of growth is where they choose to follow God. They choose to obey God 
in spite of, of their feelings. And so the hiddenness of God doesn't scare us. The times where we might not feel like he loves us, we are able to depend on the truth that he does. And so a mature believer is not scared of that. We also find that there is joy even in sorrow. I had my uncle pass away, we were saying, yesterday, 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago. And the the sorrow is still there, but I have got great joy in the life that he had. And and that's one of the signs of healing is where you can move away from the, the grief and the sorrow and move into a celebration of the life that he had. The one time um, I had to get a cell phone for him and then lie to my aunt and said that he got it on a contract because he was a gadget freak like me, okay? And so I remember going, you want me to lie to my aunt? And he goes, yes, you can pray for forgiveness later. And so, you know, those, those beautiful moments that I, that I had with him, I can now, because I know that he's in heaven, I know that one day I'll see him again. And so when, when I know this and I, and I stand on scripture, I can find joy even in this, this crazy world. Another thing is that we find peace even in the most dire of circumstances. So um, Polycarp, any of you ever heard of Polycarp? He was one of the uh, disciples of John. And, and the story goes that <clears throat> during the time that he was alive, there was a great persecution of Christians. And they, at the age of 86, uh, they caught him and threw him into, uh, wanted to kill him in the arena, okay? And so this is, this is uh, from one of the books that was written during that time. It says, despite the cries of the crowd, the Roman authorities saw the senselessness of making this aged man a martyr. So when Polycarp was brought into the arena, the proconsul pled with him, curse Christ and I will release you. He replied, 86 years I have served him. He has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? The proconsul reached for an acceptable way out. Then do this, old man. Just swear by the genius of the emperor, and that will be sufficient. The genius was sort of the spirit of the emperor. To do this would be a recognition of the pagan gods and the religion. He said, if you imagine for a moment that I would do that, then I think you pretend that you don't know who I am. Hear it plainly, I am a Christian. Polycarp stood firm in spite of more entreaties. And then the proconsul threatened him with wild beasts. Bring them forth, he replied. I would change my mind if it meant going from worse to better, but not to change from right to wrong. The proconsul's patience was gone. I will have you burned alive. Remember, this is an 86-year-old man. And he replied, you threaten fire that burns for an hour and is over, but the judgment on the ungodly is forever. The fire was prepared. Polycarp lifted his his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I bless you that you have deemed me worthy of this day and hour, that I might take a portion of the martyrs in the cup of Christ. Among these, may I today be welcomed before thy face as a rich and acceptable sacrifice. As the fire engulfed him, the believers noted that it smelled not so much like fresh burning, but as a loaf baking, and he was finished off with a stab of a dagger. And so when we know Christ and we have his peace, that we can have that overwhelming understanding and peace in spite of the circumstances. That's what it means to be a mature believer. Lastly, when we have maturity, we know what it means to have the the meaning of our lives fulfilled. So for those of you who don't know, a few weeks ago, we went for the elusive church breakfast. Okay, 
it happens about every seven years. And you have to, you know, you have to be quick, okay? And what happens is that if you're below a certain number, which, by the way, seems to be changing as we go along, then the whole church goes for breakfast. When we left here, I think we were about 15. When we got to spa, we were about 32, okay? The Lord multiplies. But as we were sitting outside, because, yes, we were wise, as we were sitting outside, Vilka and I were laughing because there was a, a gentleman uh, that arrived on a Harley. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the, the, um, the market or the target market for Harleys is kind of a certain age group. Have you noticed? And males, generally. <laughs> I see some people tapping their dads. Um, and so Vilka and I were laughing because the gentleman that was on the Harley was kind of like middle-aged, right? And then what was even funnier was to watch who were the people that walked past and stopped and kind of went, you could see them calculating, if I don't pay rent and I give this up, you could see them kind of trying to figure this out, right? And, it, and it's kind of a, just a certain, certain age group, okay? And, and I'm, I'm sure we women also have our own form of midlife crisis, okay? I'm sure of it. I just haven't figured it out. I'll let you know when I get there. But um, it seems that, that, yes, that we have midlife crisis, okay? And the beauty of being a mature believer is that we are able to weigh up our lives not against the achievements of this world, but against what is kingdom value. And that, to me, is the best thing. Because if I look at my own life and I measure it up against what the world looks as successful, it doesn't match. But when I compare my life, because I have hit 40, so maybe that's my midlife crisis. When I compare my life and I see kingdom value, it's a whole different story. And so those are the, the reasons about why we want to be mature believers. So the last question is, how do we actually do this? How do we become mature believers? Practically. One of the things you can do is join us on the Bible reading plan. All right? That's one thing you can do. Join us on the Bible reading plan. I do want to say, choose one area to work on. Everything you read about, you know, starting the year is, is you know, don't say, I'm going to get up at five to gym and I'm only going to eat vegetables. No, no, one thing at a time. Okay? All right? Be part of a group that you can share your life with and that others pour into you and you can pour into their lives. There are a lot of Bible study groups. We can create more groups, okay? But there is something about lives be being lived together. Church is a celebration of what God has done. We come together and we celebrate who God is and what he has done. But the, as, as Nacho Libre would say, the needy-greedy of life takes place in groups. Lastly, and this is a challenge that I'd like to give to each one of you, including myself. Find one person that you would like to share Jesus with. Don't leave it there. Tell somebody else that you want to do that. A little bit of accountability. Find one person in your life that you want to share Jesus with and have somebody pray with you. Do you have somebody in mind? Normally it's the person that you least want to share that comes to mind. Do you have somebody? Do you have somebody that you can share that prayer with? Can we do that as a church? Because what happens? What happens if we are a church that we are all striving to be this picture of maturity that Jesus speaks about? This church will, will reach out and touch this city, touch this nation, and Jesus will be Lord of this nation. Guys, you just have to read the news to understand that we all need Jesus. 
So that's what would happen if we do that as a church. But the best part, the best part, and I'm going to close with this, is Philippians 1 verse 6. And it says, But I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day where Christ Jesus returns. The best news is that it's not up to us. We walk with God. We walk in obedience with him. God's the one that started this work in our lives, and he will be the one that completes it if we allow him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this this beautiful morning. Lord, I, I thank you for this rain that we've had, and I thank you for the sunshine that many of us won't admit out loud because you don't ever say that when there's rain around, but I thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, I thank you for for a church family. Uh, there's so much that we can be grateful for. Brian and Dana being back, people traveling back safely. Lord, I also know of many people that are hurting right now, that there's uh, sickness and, and death in families, Lord, and I pray that, that you will uh, be the one that they turn to. Father, I pray for us as a church family that, that we can find one person uh, to share Jesus with and that you'll give us the, the strength and the courage and the bravery that we need to do so. Lord, I thank you for the way that you love us. And, and I thank you for that, even though we are starting a new year that already has many challenges, that you are in every day and that you see every day before it even starts. Lord, I pray for us as a church family that, um, that who you are won't stay within this building, but that who you are will, will be spread across the city, across this nation, across this world. Lord, we, we look at scripture and we see how you used 12 people to, to start uh, something that changed the world. And so we know it's not about numbers, but it's about obedience. So Lord, I pray for, for each one of us that we will be obedient to your calling and be obedient to your instruction to be mature believers. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for, for who you are. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.